0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name is Miriam Shorley-Schultz and I'm one of the hosts of this channel. I'm very happy to welcome Daniel Goyavin to the show today. Daniel doesn't really need an introduction. He is Professor Emeritus of Talmudic Culture at the University of California, Berkeley, and has been one of the most influential and paradigm-shifting scholars in Jewish studies generally, and of rabbinic culture and the study of Judaism and Christianity specifically. His work has been so extensive that I can only mention a few of his similar books here. His publications include Carnal Israel, Reading, Sex, and Talmudic Culture, which came out in 1993, Dying for God, Martyrdom and the Making of Judaism and Christianity, um, came out in 1991. 1999, Queer Theory and the Jewish Question, um, 2003, A Traveling Homeland, the Babylonian Talmud as Diaspora, 2015, and Judaism, the genealogy of a modern notion in 2018. Um, today, we will be discussing his new provocative book, The No-State Solution, a Jewish Manifesto that came out with Yale University Press earlier this year. In it, Daniel pleads for a new understanding of Jewish peoplehood as a diaspora nation and sketches an alternative vision for a Jewish future beyond the nation state and the Zionist totality we allegedly live in. Looking at the state of Jewish statehood, the timing for this manifesto could admittedly not be better. Um, so let's dive in and sketch with you that alternative as you see it, Daniel. So, hi Daniel, wonderful to have you and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for inviting me.
1: Of course, anytime. Okay, let's start. Um, The No State Solution, a Jewish manifesto, that's really an amazing title. Um, But let me start uh, this interview with the question that you end your manifesto with. What were you thinking, Or put differently, how did you come to this project and why now?
0: Thank you. Um, I would say that I've been coming to this project or to this book uh, it, through my entire adult life. Um, it, although I, uh, in my youth, that is as a teenager and uh, early college student, considered myself and was committed to a kind of leftist Zionism. Uh, that. Uh, you know, sort of of the mapan variety. It's not accidental, of course, that Mapam no longer exists. Um, but uh, over the years, particularly of living in Israel, and I did live in Israel for 17 years, I'm an Israeli citizen, carrying an Israeli passport, served in the Israeli army, uh, not as a regular soldier, but as a reserve uh, reserve soldier because of my my age at the time that I went to live there. Um, th- through my years living in Israel, I came to feel that the combination of Jewish statehood, a state defined as a Jewish state, and a very significant, and after um, uh, 67, uh, enormous uh, minority population for whom this state had declared that it was not theirs uh, was simply um, a moral impossibility. Uh, that uh, liberal Zionism, so called liberal Zionism, let alone leftists or radical Zionism, radical leftists, Zionism, were simply an oxymoron, uh, you know. And um, so my thoughts about that grew and developed um, over decades. And at the same time, my commitment to Jewish peoplehood and to the continued existence of 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 a vibrant Jewish culture as uh, a significant, crucial value also developed and stronger uh, to the point where I uh, have felt that I was in a kind of an aporia, um, aporia, a, a, a dead end with no exit. Uh, owing to these contradictions, well, this book is an attempt to break through that aporia and to find a a way um, a way through it to a different kind of future for Jewish peoplehood than the um, disaster catastrophe. Uh, with which we are living now uh, owing to what I consider and considered already twenty twenty five years ago the inevitable result of uh, the, um, the Zionist uh, theory right it was uh, by the way it was uh, this disaster was also um, pretty much Uh, predictable. Already in 1921, in the exchange, as it were, never actually took place as an exchange, but um, of of, of letters uh, between Scholem and Rosenzweig, um, in which Scholem already understood that the, the attempt to secularize the Hebrew language, it has to be understood as a metaphor, right? But uh, 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 but a very very powerful metaphor for the Hargash, the uh, volcano, that uh, but uh, uh, overflowing its banks and killing everything.
1: That's a beautiful correspondence between the two. And Zweig, of course, is very important also in your book. Um, But let me go back to the actual title. Um, You subtitled the book, A Jewish Manifesto, echoing the calls for new modes of thinking so pervasive in programmatic statements of various political movements, left and right, and the cultural avant-garde of like a hundred or so years ago. Including, of course, movement, uh, Jewish movements of various tribes. Um, So, I have a general, uh, like several questions regarding this format. Um, What was different in form about writing a manifesto and a Jewish manifesto from your other writing? Or was there a difference? And who are you debating directly? And what do you want to dethrone, which is also part, of course, of the manifesto? And then finally, what is the desired audience? Who do you want to mobilize?
0: Um, those are great questions, um, but they're four. Those are four questions masquerading as one. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. Hey. <laughs> um, it it's a manifesto because it is the uh, the piece of all of my book-length writings uh, at any rate that is most directed towards a specific uh, vision for the future. Uh, I don't like to use either the term political or religious uh, um, for various intellectual reasons that uh, people are following The latest discourses in religious studies will will follow, and others will understand what I mean as I go along. Um, But this is one could say that most of my books have had some kind of a polemical or future oriented focus, Um, um, recovery, redemption fragments of redemption, uh, partial redemption of the past for a, towards a better future. But this is the one that has the most uh, specific designs on the world. Uh, and namely the claim that essentially the Jewish state is a disaster. Uh, a disaster for the Jews, which is, uh, that's why it's a Jewish manifesto in a sense, right? This is, uh, I mean, obviously, the disaster is made out of its of the effects that it has on other people uh, as well. Effects that we are seeing now, you know, turn on the news in the morning. and. Uh, um, you know, it's the the latest uh, uh, the latest gun massacre in the United States, and the latest um, activities of the Jewish phalange, as I call them, in Israel, uh, happily burning down a happ- happily, joyfully burning down a village, and uh, not worrying over much, or indeed rejoicing in. Uh, Palestinian deaths, but the future that I am um, engaged in is the effect on, on on Jewish peoplehood and its possibility as a result of that 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 state, um, and um, uh, in, in this particular book, I mean that's. the the focus in this particular book. And this is a a Jewish manifesto. And the question is, in a sense, how can the Jewish people survive after Zionism, right? The book assumes that Zionism is the direct and proximate cause of the evil that we see being enacted. And um, I've always felt that it could only come to um, an increasingly evil um, end, and uh, we see that now. And then what next? Do we have to abandon Jewishness? Many of many of my colleagues, uh, progressive colleagues, uh, various stripes, are saying regretfully or joyfully, they're, they're arguing for cosmopolitanism and, and, and saying that the prob- problem is the very... Specific uh, notions of identity and concern for identity and specific culture, and this book comes to reject that uh, vigorously and propose at least a dream of a uh, a future for uh, for the Jews. So it is a Jewish manifesto. Both in the polemical focus um, of the of the argument, the point of this book is not to make philological um, innovations or scholarly innovations, um, but uh, but to argue for a specific project um, in the world. Now, I just want to say. That uh, polemical or not, manifesto or not, I always intend to make my writing dependent on good scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. And um, as opposed to the lawyer who argued um, in front of the Supreme uh, Supreme Court last week and uh, and Uh, won the right for public businesses to deny service to LGBT people on the basis of a total fabrication. I tried to avoid even little fabrication to make the argument.
1: Yeah, I think that's why you have the standing that you have because you're an amazing scholar. So there's no doubt that it's um, deeply researched and, um, yeah, it's... um, An amazing book. Yeah, definitely not, not the Supreme Court, um, lawyer for sure not. (laughs) So, um, but again, going back to the title there, you actually had an original title that was different from the one that ended up being the title. So that title was, what is the juice? Um, Can you elaborate on this, um, what did you intend that was,
0: you know, the original intellectual project in a sense, uh, it it actually became more of a manifesto um but once it had a a, a manifest uh I doubt if that adjective has ever been used before a manifestish uh title right then it, it sort of that the, the title drove it more and more in 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 a polemical direction but But the question that underlies it, you know, is is the Jews a religion, is the Jews a a nation, Um, um, is the question legitimate, is there a different way of asking the question, a different way of posing Mm -hmm. the question? Um, um, uh, So, uh, I think it's fortunate actually that a lot of people, not only my editors at Yale, thought that what is the Jews is an ugly and m- title. I still like it, but 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 on the other end, um, it's certainly not the title of the book that I wrote in the end,
1: right? Although- so the new title kind of drove um, the way that you wrote ultimately that manifestish kind of writing. That's a thing that it really changed the way also that she conceived of this book. That's that's really interesting. But uh, so you already mentioned it. So what is the Jews is kind of, as you say, the new Jewish question. And you claim that now there are two seemingly mutually exclusive conceptions um, that hegemonically define what the Jews are. They are either a religion or a nation. And as a nation, they inherently need a state. Um, and you argue against either. So why in your view are Jews not a religion? Why is a nation not inherently statist? And um, yeah, what is problematic about these conceptions?
0: Um. Yeah, okay. But again, you smuggled 11 questions <laughs> at the eyes of porn. But <laughs> and each one of them could take um, a volume to answer you know, but I'll, I'll I'll try to sketch out the uh, the, the chapter headings of an answer the Rashe um, first of all the whole the whole question of religion not of uh, not of religi- religiosity or uh, but the conception of religion as a, distinct and separate phenomenon within human culture um, and as a separate sphere in, in so, so society as well has been brought into very, very, very sharp question by um, scholars who are, uh, and historians who are far more serious and far more important than I am vis-a-vis this question, uh, beginning with uh, Talal Asad, uh, one of the great um, intellectuals of, uh, of our time. Um, and um, so it, 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 it becomes difficult to, to speak altogether about a religion uh From one perspective, I I would argue that Christianity is the only religion on Earth that is the only uh, the only collective that defines itself uh, by the holding of uh, uh, of oh, certain um, intellectual commitments and 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 not uh, not much else uh, at least in itself. Definition, right? Whereas um, the the Jews, like most other peoples, have always had a kind of um, inextricable weaving of practices that regard that uh, practices and including verbal practices, linguistic practices uh, that are. um, oriented towards the sacred and um all the other pr- practices that make up uh, human lives together and so it's uh, uh, uh so that's uh, that but uh and, and and when we start looking at at the at the jewish people um it Uh, on a phenomenological level or a descriptive level, empirical level, um, it it becomes um, increasingly difficult. I mean, the more we look, the harder it gets to do it. I heard a shocking conversation between two American Jewish teenagers, older teenagers, um, that I think practically almost would never have been uttered before very recently. One said to the other, you know, I'm not Jewish because I don't have any religion, right? Um, a A little over a hundred years ago, Sigmund Freud was calling himself a godless Jew and saying he has no religion, but he is very much a Jew. And indeed he was very much a Jew. And, and I just take that as, uh, as a, a particular example uh, that I think uh, makes the point that Jewishness, you know, what is the Jews, cannot be answered by, by saying a religion. If, if for no other reason, then we would be excluding from Jewness lots and lots of people that we don't exclude in practice you right you know and that we don't exclude in it it in 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 our own practice including I would say uh most uh, varieties or uh, of Orthodox uh, 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 Judaism so there is uh when when the Babachers turn to Jews because they want to bring them to the to the Torah or bring them to the to the religious life. There would be no Jews if 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 they out there to 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 bring in, right? So uh if 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 we didn't recognize uh, a, a much broader character of the collective. Um at uh Although I, I'm gradually becoming persuaded by folks that it was a mistake to want to revivify the notion, the, the, the word nation. Um,
1: oh, you do? Okay. We will talk about this. Yeah, uh,
0: but uh, because people say it's just so poisoned, you know, that uh, for, for lots of people, can't say nation, or nationalism, without them thinking of Nazis. Uh, And and I think that's tragic because I still think that nation was only very recently um, a uh, very powerful and positive uh, conception that has gotten uh, poisoned but but you know, rivers get polluted, and uh, we can unpollute them. But maybe, maybe this one is so polluted, you know, that it's the Gowanus Canal of uh, of, the, of of concepts of collectives. You know, this stage impossible yeah. to unpollute. But I don't. I still don't find uh, a word that I like better. Uh, pe- people, just sounds to me so. Federation, the Jewish people so you know n- neoliberal and in um, Parva um, and I want something that's uh, that's flashy but not uh, toxic. So um,
1: I mean you make the important um, intervention or distinction between a nation that is bound to a nation state which of course I think is really indefensible by now um and a nation that is diasporic. Um and of course the idea of a diaspora nation is in and of itself not at all new um in Jewish thought and practice and um not even also not in Jewish studies of course. So um you develop your idea specifically out of a deep engagement with the Talmud. Um but you do also gesture to movements like Bundism and um uh, I don't know if you agree, a more secular concept of Doigkeit. Um, And of course, Yiddish land of the Yiddish imaginary was at least on my mind as well as was uh, Simon Dugner, um and his um, ideas about a diaspora nationalism. Um, so what is new about your diaspora nationalism in the face of state Zionism? I, I, we cannot think it without that right now, right? Uh, and then what could... Um, uh, nowadays, doikite um, look like.
0: Well, uh, uh, as as you know, in the book, I have a kind of at least um, um, preliminary or, uh, account of of doigkeit, um to translate it into the terms that that I need from it. In other words, uh, a a, a Jewish, a Jewish uh, diaspora nationalism that is, at the same time that it that it has this commitment to other Jews and to Jewish culture and Jewish history, is also fully embedded in the search for justice, wherever we are, right? So, so uh, a a kind of um, Dual, homera- dual homeland, and dual loyalty. I know that that's an anti-Semitic uh, trope, but I, but I think that is the antidote to the kind of ethno-nationalism that the anti-Semites were throwing against the Jews. You're not really committed to to the you know to to Deutschland. Um, um, you're not really committed to the Magyars because you've got this other thing, or, or you know, even even to the to the American academic version of it, where Jews couldn't possibly be professors of English literature because you're not really devoted to you know, you've got this Hebrew stuff and this Yiddish stuff and this uh, which which are. Disturbing. So it's 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 precisely a a kind of an attempt to articulate a a, a sort of um, dialectic of of nationalism in a permanent dialectic, Mm mystical Trotskyist, a permanent. Uh, a little more than a shtickle, actually, a uh, um, um, uh, notion that these two things can be and must be balanced or one of them will have to go. And and as I say right there, right in the beginning, the one that would have to go, if it's impossible to co-articulate this, is the Yiddish kind of Uh-huh. Uh-huh. right now that can be that could be debated you know that's a question of a value but i said i said without justice without a search for justice without a commitment to universal um welfare, then uh we would have to let go of the all um the the specific the particular uh diasporic um, commitments and culture, but but I'm not. But I'm trying to argue that we don't have to let go. So I'm I, I, uh, because as far as I can see, universalism um, or, or not universalism so much as cosmopolitanism always means uh, being absorbed into whatever cultural form uh, happens to be dominant.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so territory is not so important in your, or not at all important, actually, in your conceptualization, but language really is. Um, And in this, I would argue you are very much in line with, like, 19th century conceptions of nationalism. For instance, pre-1871 German nationalism But, of course, also Jewish nationalisms, diasporic or not. Um, Only now, in your account, given the diversity of Jews, this national language cannot simply be Yiddish. Um, um, So I would like you to elaborate on this. Like, why the importance of one national language as opposed to the embrace of Jewish multilingualism, as we've also seen Jewish thinkers... um, Vouch for right, and then also for me. There is a contradiction here um, to your alignment with MSSL's universalism as the coexistence of many differences. But maybe this is my misreading of uh, of your argument.
0: No, uh, it's it's complicated. I mean, I, I, I think that's probably the most difficult theoretical and intellectual part, and therefore the the least um, in some ways the least satisfactory. Um but um so I tried to imagine a, 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 a and I didn't quite say this in the book, but it comes out between the lines, um a Jewish part language, right? you know, in other words, that the sh- the, the kind of sh- shared inflection of language, and I partly mean that, even in the sense of inflection, as you know, uh, um, um, as uh, you know, S- uh, Stalin reading a um, a telegram—this uh, is a joke—reading uh, a telegram from Trotsky that says, "You were you were right, I was wrong. Long live the revolution!" And a, a Jewish delegate, you know, to the Politburo picks up the telegram and says, "No." It says you were right. I was wrong. Long well, live the revolution. You know, so <laughs> that yeah, inflection in that sense, but inflection in in uh, in uh, also in a more complex sense of uh, or uh, le- the you know the lexicon, the shared lexicon, which uh, which itself is always hyphenated, right um it, it's always hyphenated so that uh, uh so a language that uh, incorporates um uh Yiddish Teich, right and, uh, which means Jewish German right um, um Jewish Spanish uh, Jewish Tajik Jewish person uh, uh um, judeo-arabic obviously also that uh, the the common features uh, that's what I tried to make the beginnings of an argument for that there's this common linguistic features that it's not just languages written in Hebrew characters that but but a a, a kind of um combination of of, of of content, uh, of inflection, of uh, habits of speech that come from study of the Talmud. You know, it's it's, it's some. I mean, you know, and it's um, um, Eating, I won't eat, but drinking, a, la- a lavish schnapps. You know, th- that kind of um, it, it actually comes straight out of the Talmud, right? Yatovi uh, uh, right? On the eighth day of, uh, of, of Sukkot. It says, Sitting, we don't sit, i.e., we don't uh, have that, uh, sit, or, or sitting, we do sit, sorry. Sitting, we do sit, but we, but making a bracha, we don't make a bracha. That's exactly the way, a literal translation of the Aramaic. And we can see how that, um, that that kind of um, uh, speech pattern um, lives on in 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 Jewish language so uh you know sometimes half joking I'd say that the 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 the, the Jewish language is going to be English right uh, because English is already a kind of a, a universal lingua franca so if 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 a and after all, Jewish language is developed from, you know, grew through the use of non-Jewish languages by Jews. So why shouldn't there be a, um, you know, a, um, a Judeo version? And if it's founded on on English lexicon, it's it's it could be something that. Um, but that's that's only one, and as I say, half joking. The other thing that's happening is Hebrew is becoming a kind of universal. Now, the, the 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 question is, we have to distinguish between two kinds of Hebrew also, because if Hebrew is Israeli, I mean, the language of of Israel and that kind of Hebrew, um, then. Then I don't think we've accomplished very much to get beyond. But uh, but Hebrew does not have to be, you know, um, you know, um, um, uh, uh, the the only the Israeli language that could be Israeli Hebrew, and and I have this fantasy of a language called Judeo Hebrew. Right? So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you also speak of um, a world Hebrew, or my friend, Tal Heber Hibovsky, that you, of course, also know works on this idea of a diasporic Hebrew. So, there are all of these ideas of um, how to kind of separate Hebrew from the state of Israel. Um, And, of course, by more and more Israelis also leaving. Um, the country Hebrew will develop into something else as well as they exactly.
0: but, but you know, it's but it's a wonderful thing for me. If wherever I am, if I walk into a kosher store and I can't speak the language at all, I mean, I have no no pr- trouble with German and little with little trouble with French on that level of ordering food in the store. But there are places I go, you know, where I don't. Sp- there's always somebody in the store who speaks Hebrew. And that that becomes the medium now, it's usually somebody who's been to Israel or spent time in Israel or, you know, so, so 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 there is still a um in some ways I think the 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 um the greatest positive achievement of of Zionism has been the revival of Hebrew. Um but uh, how many drops of blood uh, justifies um, that achievement? And and yet at the same time, and I think we have to somehow exploit the, the fact that so many people know Hebrew too. Um,
1: to... I mean, it's just a reality that it also replaced so many other um, Jewish languages, um, just as Yiddish, for instance. Um, so... Um, yeah it's just the reality that we live in and yeah so I already touched on Cézanne and your alignment with his idea of universalism so one important aspect of the book is your engagement with the black radical tradition particularly François Non and Émile Cézanne, and also the tradition of negritude as well as nowadays black study um, and to me I think you continue your dialogue that is rather long-standing in the Yiddish radical tradition, if we want to call it that, and also, of course, vice versa. So the Black radical tradition um, really um, kind of looked at the Jewish condition to make claims about the Black um, experience as well. Um, yeah, so what were these thinkers offering your project?
0: Um... I, I, I have absolutely no need uh, to be innovating. That's uh, you know, even even in my more, let's say more sober, more academic. Uh, sc- a, a, a lot of my work, a lot of my work uh, ha- has been reviving ideas that were sort of fell by the wayside um, and um, and and perhaps recombining them uh, or combining them into a, a, a new discursive framework um, so um, in fact well and this is this is one difference between, western scholarship and traditional jewish scholarship and uh, despite it all i feel myself very much in the traditional jewish scholar um and that in my you know my colleagues some very very well-meaning colleagues why do you quote all the time why are you always commenting on things that other people wrote why don't you just lay out your ideas i don't I don't know how to do that. What I, you know, but but I am writing a super, 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 super commentary on, on on everything that that Jews and a lot of non-Jews have written. and And lest people misunderstand, super does not mean better. It means a commentary on commentaries and commentaries on commentaries. That's that's the way I think. That's the way my ideas develop. That's how that's how I write. And nothing thrills me more than discover that something that i thought I thought is uh, or, or already there in in the uh, boys or uh, or the uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, uh, or um, you know or Rosenzweig or uh, even in. Uh, even to discover that that Herzl and, and Pinsker would barely qualify as Zionists on contemporary definitions, you know. I mean, not that I'm, not that I'm an apologist for them I and mean, what do I want to redeem their ideas, although there's there are things that can be learned from them.
1: Also. Yeah, I mean, you make the, the point that there's nothing inevitable in history. Um, it didn't have to end this way um, inherently um, to to these Zionist thinkers. There were, of course, so many different ideas floating around. Um, uh, but there's one one idea I think that is new, um, thinking of the Talmud as Jewish jazz, um, producing the sounds of a diasporic Jewish sociality, and you're drawing here, of course, on Fred Nortil's work um, on jazz. Um, yeah, I was I was really struck by that idea, and I would like you to to talk about that more, and also how it determined the style of the writing of this book. I mean, you already hinted at it—the continued conversation. But yeah, um, Jewish jazz. Yeah. Tom. Well,
0: f- Fred, um, whom I can call Fred, because we've become. Uh, We've become friends. Um this is not so this is not like everybody calling Judas Butler Judy, no, no. you know. There's... I don't to... know. <laughs> uh, which really used to piss her off. <laughs> and she was fur- she was furious that there was a zine called Judy and things like that. Serious thinkers don't like becoming uh, you know sort of um, cult object celebrities um, it, um, Fred and others, not only Fred um, have um, demonstrated more than argued they've demonstrated in in part demonstrated through their own practices of you know of of writing, um, you don't you don't read Fred Moten's work uh, the way you you read uh, Donald Davidson's work or Quine's work. You know it's 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 something different. It's um, it's um, which which doesn't make it less serious or less or less intellectual. But it's but it's it it's in part a resistance. Uh, against, um, against certain patterns that claim privilege as reason as rationality, and I think that uh, that one part of the claim for Jewish jazz, which I'm going to be developing at much much greater length, not necessarily under that figure, although also is that that. Um so much of Jewish discourse uh centered around the Talmud, growing out of the Talmud, is a um a resistance to the modes of reason uh that are uh, uh claim uh, um, claimed as being the highest and the best uh um right so it's resistance to that kind of colonialism <laughs> um so uh, so that's that's part of it is that sort of parallel um um and, but the other part is the sound and the sense of, you know of how and and this this is something that i really learned to experience from um from two from two directions um, one is the writing of um uh, the writings of the black radical tradition um and um the other is and then um I'm a grandson who's a jazz musician and uh, well a fledgling jazz musician I should probably say he's Nineteen and uh, studying jazz at um, the New England Conservatory, from which some pretty impressive music um, grew over the last uh, eighty years. Um, Joe and uh, you know, the Plasmatics come from there, as as well as um, some. Very, very important, um, African American rooted black, uh, rooted uh, jazz um, traditions. Um, so uh, I just have the sense of 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 a um less propositional and more uh, um. Soundscapey um, um m- m- foundation and motivating uh, this, uh, this sociality um and in a sense that Talmud is is so much more than a bunch of guys with white beards and black young because um, it, it, it's it's it it that it just inhabits uh in Inhabits and and Jewish um, verbal and, and even literary um, okay. patterns, and even, you know, and, well, Woody Allen on the one hand, right? And, uh, I mean, there's a deeply, deeply Talmudic uh, sound to Woody Allen. And of course, to Tebbya, where it's uh, more directly uh, being represented, and even not that I'm claiming um, any kind of status akin to Woody Allen, let alone Tebbya, um, uh, for myself, but in the forms of, in the forms of my. Uh, of my uh, even least directly Jewish discourses you know no, like, like. so um uh so that uh, that um notion or experience of a soundscape making a sociality producing a sociality um is um, um, um it's, it has been has been just profoundly mobile to me and I, I know that I've taken some pretty big risks in that section of the of the book. Um but I um, I tried to protect against the risks. I mean not not just um you know cover my butt uh but but to prevent the kinds of misunderstandings that have made, you know, uh, comparisons so uh, pernicious, you know, uh, well, well the, you know, of the sort. But you know, you have the Middle Passage. We have the the Holocaust, and, the, and, the, and you know, kind of, and and the versions of the the versions of that that, that really are pernicious, precisely because they don't pay attention to right now. You know, there are ways of avoiding paying attention to uh, um, the systemic um, racism uh, of, um, on the one hand, the United States, and on the other hand, of Israel. And, uh, so, yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to what you'll do with the Jewish jazz and the soundscape. Yeah, yes, I'm
0: going uh, to continue with that particular um representation of it, but 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 uh, my my project for the summer here in Hamburg is to develop um work that I've been doing on uh, the anti rational anti-rationalism uh and which doesn't mean necessarily mysticism and spirituality, but it means a, a kind of um Directed skepticism against reason as a uh, as as the only way, or even the best way, to uh, um, enhance um, uh, Jew flourishing and even human flourishing.
1: This is a great way to end this wonderful conversation. I would like to thank you all for taking the time to listen and to Daniel to talk to me today. This was Daniel Buiadin, and we were talking about his book, The No State Solution, A Jewish Manifesto, which came out with Yale University Press. Go read, discuss it, and take action. Um, thank you, Daniel. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This is Miriam Charlie schultz for the New Books Network. Seid gesund.